Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and probably happy Mother's Day to many of you mothers out there because this will be released on Sunday, which of course is Mother's Day. So want to give a shout out to all the moms that are listening. Uh, this is Tom Moran from Tom's Big Spiders. We're going to start off this morning talking about Homeoma chilensis, or the what was originally called Euathlis species red. I'm mentioning the older name because I tend to still slip up with this one and use the older name when I'm talking about them. It happens all the time. I just, for so many years of calling them Euathlis species, the homeoma part hasn't completely sunk into my brain yet, so I'm going to apologize in advance for the fact that I'm probably going to reference them by the wrong name at some point, but hopefully people that have been around a while in the hobby, you won't think much of it. So just calling myself out in advance because I have a funny feeling this is going to happen. But anyway, I want to talk about some of the things I've been noticing with mine, and, and this to kick this one off, I've talked about my female that I've had now for several years, going on quite a while and the fact that she has surprised me twice now with molts. Now I say surprise because usually when you get a spider, and this is with just about every spider I've ever kept, they molt, you give them a couple weeks, they start eating, they fatten up again, they look nice and fat, they stop eating again, they go into pre-molt, and then a molt comes. Simple. We're all used to it. And again, the key thing is they're, they're eating in between the molts. Most of them, eat, you know, depending on the size of the prey you're giving them, and I just had somebody contact me about they fed a, a large waxworm to a Lazyodora species, and the Lazyodora species ate the waxworm, took about 24 hours to eat it, and eat it, and then immediately burrowed. And the guy's like, I, I don't understand. It's, why is it done eating already? It's because of the size of the prey item. You give them something super large, you know, something that's the same size as the spider, they're going to fill up that one, you know, one stop, fill up, and they're done, and they're going to go right into pre-molt, and that's what can happen. However, with these guys, I was feeding them just smaller crickets and stuff, and one of the things I noticed with my female, and this has happened twice, is she molted. She didn't eat after like a month. I was offering her stuff. She didn't eat. And then she ate like twice. And then she stopped eating. And we'll get back to this in a moment and why it kind of worried me. So I was worried, figured she was just in the fast. She'd start eating again, wouldn't eat, wouldn't eat, wouldn't eat. Long story short, I go check on her one day and she's molted. And I'm telling you, this thing literally only ate twice. Had barely put on any size. You see some pictures of the UEFA species. There I go. Already. Homeoma chalensis. And you see pictures of them online, and they have you know, those nice, big, swollen abdomens. In fact, some of the ones that are online are of my females, nice, big, swollen abdomens. This one had a small abdomen, almost looked like a male. Not a male, but just that type of look, that type of small abdomen. So very surprised to find that she had molted. So again, we go through the whole process of... All right, let her harden up a little bit. Give her some time. Let's try a prey item. I dropped in dead. I dropped in live. She wasn't eating. Once again, she ate one day. I was all excited. So the next day, I dropped in something else. She ate again. I'm like, whoo, here we go. She's eating. Thank gosh. So I try it again. A couple days later, drop something in. No interest whatsoever. Kind of pulls up her legs. Like, get away from me. Doesn't want anything to do with it. Doesn't attack it. Doesn't slap at it. Just complete disinterest. I left in there for a few hours, come back later, the cricket's sitting down, she's sitting right next to the cricket, nothing doing, and that was it, and she didn't eat again for close to a year, and once again, I come into my spider room one morning, and she's molted again, so this is over a course of probably ah, close to four years, she ate a total of about four crickets and molted twice, really bizarre behavior, and something I haven't seen in any other species that I keep, so... Uh, They've and and this isn't something that I've you know only experienced with this one specimen either. I had an older one, and one of the problems I think, and and this is trying to rationalize what might be happening with these and and addressing a couple issues that we have with them now. Back in the day when I got these guys, the adult females were all over the place. So all anywhere you went, you could find an adult female for sale. And the problem was these were wild caught specimens pulled directly from Chile, and 
folks were basically buying adults that they had no idea how old they were. So I know for a fact I have, well, I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty positive ones I've had in the past were older, slower females when I got them. They weren't eating very well. They were kind of probably at the end of their life cycle. You got to figure the people out there gathering them are gathering probably, you know, taking a bunch of them out of the wild, which is not good at all. And they're probably grabbing some of those slower ones that are at the end of their lives. And so I've had situations with them not eating and, you know, fasting in inopportune times. Like, for example, most specimens that I've found that will fast, it's something triggers it right around when it becomes wintertime and the air dries out. There seems to be something there that they pick up on. And it's usually right around October when the heat first starts kicking on, the air gets a little drier. I can keep the temperature in my tarantula room at a steady all year long. It can be 75 degrees all year long, but as soon as winter comes, they seem to know it. And some of them will bury themselves, disappear, stop eating. Uh, my uh, Fauna Pelma, Calcotus, Nikki, that tends to go every October and disappear. Uh, my M. Balfouri tend to be less active once it starts drying out. So this is normal. However, what I found with the chalensis is that they will do this at odd times like so for example they're active all winter and all of a sudden in the summer they stop eating so no apparent rhyme or reason as to why they're stopping at this particular time however i did read something years ago and this was more talking about g rosea and why they usually are often fast there's something to do with the species that are pulled from chile and brought up north that the internal time clock, their internal you know clock that tells them when it's time to fast, when it's time to actually be the eating, gets messed up, and that can cause some issues. So I'm wondering if it's something like obviously another Chilean species, something to that. But I have noticed it quite a bit with the adult specimens of the Homeoma chilensis. So anyway, I know it's not just me experiencing this because over the years, obviously, I've pushed these guys as a great beginner species. They seem to be one of the most coveted and sought after tarantulas out there for folks just getting into the hobby. And even some folks have been in the hobby for a while. They see the videos, the pictures of them, and they want one. Well, one of the things I've heard from many people is that a similar situation. I picked one up. It was eating great. It just stopped eating and it never started eating again. Or I picked one up. It just molted and it's been six months and it hasn't had a single meal after its molt, which can be very concerning for anybody. Obviously, with tarantulas, we're always talking about the fact, and, and, and we deal in absolutes a lot, that a tarantula will molt, give it a couple of weeks, it'll eventually start eating again. Or one that I use quite a bit, they wouldn't have survived this long if they would just stop eating for no reason. So when people get worried about them not eating or fasting, it's something that the tarantula is recognizing is normal. It's a normal situation. It's concerning for us because we're used to animals that eat consistently, but it's not a big deal. However, I have found with these guys, it can be a big deal. Several years back, I had an adult female that basically ate great for me, molted, ate a couple more times, and then never ate again to the point where she basically just wasted away and eventually passed away and died. And I was heartbroken at the time. I was like trying to figure out what I could have done differently. But, uh, you know, looking back at it and look at it, it was probably an older female. It, it did show signs of an elder, quote unquote, elderly spider. Because what they will do is eventually they stop eating. They kind of wind down. They start to look raggedy. They don't molt again. And then they eventually expire. So this brings us to the current part of my story. Well, we're going to flash back for just a bit. Back in May of 2016, Billy and I found went to a local pet store and found a an H. chilensis female and male for sale for rather cheap. We're actually shocked to find them there. And so we picked up both. The female started off doing well. She was eating great, fattening up because she was in kind of thin shape at the pet store. And eventually molted. Perfect. Well, after that molt, she ate a couple times and then never 
eight again. So she has gone essentially two years, close to two years, without ever having eaten anything. And we're talking all year round, winter, spring, summer, fall, nothing. So started to think, once again, this is probably a situation where it was an older female. You know, again, they're pulling these things out of the wild. We don't know how old they are. They're obviously adult specimens. This could be a freshly molted adult specimen. This could be an adult specimen who's lived its whole life cycle. So that's always in the back of my mind. And that's one of the, besides the fact that we're pulling these things out of the wild where they belong. Another issue is when you get a wild caught specimen, you don't know how old or what life cycle it's in. So unfortunately, she didn't eat again after I think the last time she ate was in 2017, later in 2017. She ate like once and then didn't eat again and ate another time and that was pretty much it. So she has not been doing well. I've been watching her waste away. I rehoused both my females, my older one and that I've had much longer in this one. And there was no change in behavior. She kind of just you know, wander around, be in one spot one day, one spot the other day. I did catch her drinking, which was good. And but no eating, and I try her constantly. I've tried her with different things. I've tried pre-killing. She's just not biting. So it got the point the other day. I came into the tarantula room, and she looked like she was in a death curl. So I moved her over to a water dish. It looked like she drank. She spruced up a little bit. Tried her with a cricket again, not eating. And it was getting to the point where I come to the conclusion she was just entering the end of her life cycle. She was ridiculously thin. The hair was gone off the back of her abdomen. Her abdomen was basically shriveled. The skin, the exposed skin, was very calloused looking, for lack of a better term, shriveled dry. She didn't look good, and I was starting to think it was time to probably euthanize her, which would involve putting her into a freezer, which basically causes them to. It's not like a person where you're going to shiver and freeze. Supposedly, it's the most humane way to do it because they just shut down and then expire. So I didn't want to do it. I was still hoping she was going to spruce up. So I decided I was giving her an extra 24 hours to see if anything changed. And then we're probably going to go this route because I was really, it was getting upsetting seeing how bad she was. So I get, go to my transfer room every morning. My, my transfer room is basically a bedroom that we didn't use. We converted to a transfer room, but it has a closet in it. And I keep all my work clothes in it because it's just easier to go down in the transfer room, get changed every morning. I don't know if everybody needs to know that. But anyway, just when I say I'm down there getting dressed, I, I do have a, my main bedroom. This is just where I keep my, many of my dress clothes for work. And I go down to get dressed, flip on the lights, and I turn around, and there's just this mangled mess of legs and whatever. I'm like, what? Gosh, name just happened. I thought, for a split second, I thought something had gotten in with her, and they were fighting. And because it never would have occurred to me in a million years, the spider that hadn't hadn't molted in probably close to three years and hadn't eaten in probably close to two years had molted, but she had. And it was horrific only because her abdomen that was already tiny was even more tiny and shriveled. It still has the same exposed white skin where there's no hair on the abdomen. It's still looking dry. Her carapace looks bigger, which makes her abdomen look even smaller. And it looked like it was some of the skin from the abdominal skin from the old mold had stuck to her abdomen and she was trying to pull herself out. And the good news was this was the most active I, I think I've seen her in months. Uh, the bad news was she was obviously having a bad mole. Um, I was shocked. I, I, I don't think this is probably one of the more shocking things I've seen while being in the hobby, completely thrown off guard by it. And so I took out her cage carefully, got some warm water, moistened down the old skin around where it was stuck, tried to get it a little, tried to get it off. I got to give it a little bit, but it was still kind of stuck. So I just had to leave her. I'm like, I'm going to have to deal with this when I get home. We'll see if maybe she can get herself out of it. 
So fast forward, I get home from work, run in there to see what's going on. She did. She got it all off. Her abdomen still looks tiny and shriveled. Her colors, you know, have obviously come back. She looks, if, if you look at her from the abdomen up, she looks great. The abdomen down, it looks terrifyingly bad. And now I, I'm at a loss for this because I have never experienced anything like this before where you have a tarantula that molted when, and it, again, it was close to three years. I don't have the exact time. Unfortunately, I did not write down when her last molt was. I think it was during a summertime where a lot of stuff was going on, but it's been close to three years, hasn't eaten in close to two years or maybe even more and somehow molted. I don't get it. And then I think back at my other female that a similar thing happened where she, you know, went a long time without molting, ate twice, didn't put on any weight, didn't fatten up, molted, ate twice more, again, still didn't put on any weight, still didn't fatten up, molted, and now she's actually eating. I'm like giving her cricket every single time I can to try to make sure she's fattening up. So if she does this fasting thing again, we're fine. But I've never experienced anything like this, but this is a similar situation with two of the same species, both of them likely wild caught. So I did have two people contact me in the last three months, not a huge number, but worth mentioning, you know, not everybody's going to shoot me an email or contact me about this stuff. So you have to assume there's probably a couple more out there, but similar situations. Hey, Tom, I got the H. chilensis uh, several months back. I love the species, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, she hasn't eaten for me at all. And I'm kind of like at a loss for what to tell people now because normally my thing would be, hey, no problem. You probably eat, but she's nice and plump. You know, was she eating beforehand? What have you been feeding her? Have you been feeding her big meals, small small meals? You know, don't worry about it. She's obviously going to start eating again. But now I've got this in the back of my mind. And, and this is the thing. When people email me, they're looking usually for a reassurance. And, and 90, we'll say 98% of the time, I'm able to reassure them, hey, there's no problem. This is going to be one of those 2% ones where it's like, hey, I'm experiencing some of the same things. And unfortunately, I think it comes down to the wild caught specimens. Now, again, I, I just want to make sure I'm very, very clear this. I do not knowingly buy any wild caught specimens anymore. I avoid them like the plague. I don't want these things pulled out of the wild. There's been enough talk about what the hobby, the damage the hobby has done because of people going down and pulling, you know, these, obviously these, these animals are suffering from habitat loss just about everywhere, but then we're coming down and pulling out remaining populations out. So we're feeding into the problem. So I just want to make it abundantly clear that I'm not encouraging people to get wild caught specimens. Just the reality is there are a lot, a wild caught adult H. chilensis out there. So that's what we're talking about. And so anyway, a very bizarre type of situation here that I've never experienced before. I'm hoping some people will chime in. Maybe somebody's seen this before, but I'm at a loss. I checked on her this morning. She's actually looking a bit more plucky compared to how she's looked before. However, once you look at that abdomen, it's like, oof, it's not good. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've found with spiders that the abdomens get too shrunken. They don't seem to be able to take in as much when they eat. So I'm kind of concerned, but I am going to give her a week or so to kind of harden up and then hope she takes a prey item like the other one did. Now, granted, my other female was not anywhere near as bad shape as her. She was thin, but she still looked healthy. This one did not look healthy, hasn't looked healthy. So I have a funny feeling it's not going to turn out well for her, but I am hopeful seeing her. You know, she's all spread out, stretching out into her new skin, just like a normal healthy spider would do. So we'll see. But really kind of this this caused me to kind of rethink some of the things I thought I knew about tarantulas only because there's it doesn't make sense that they would put themselves into that kind of peril now the one explanation I can think of with this but it's still it's tricky for me to to say it's this is the fact again the old age a lot of spiders, when they die in old age, it's after a molt or before a molt or during a bad molt. It's like they get to a point where their bodies can't handle it anymore. 
and, and so that's completely normal. And I've told people that before they have older specimens that, you know, have died in molts and they're like, oh, I've had it for 20 years. Well, that's probably, unfortunately, the natural, just a natural death. It's it's come to the end of its life cycle. It can't get through the exhaustive mold process. It's, it's sad, but it's, again, a natural thing, nothing anybody can blame themselves for. In this case, though, the part that throws me is that she hasn't eaten in like in four years, in the four years I've had her. She's eaten probably, I mean, she was eaten well before, probably maybe 12 times. And that's not a lot. And obviously some species can go without eating as much, but they usually plump up. They did not plump up at all. So this was a spider that was emaciated. It was complete. She was completely, utterly wasting away to the point where I was, and I do not like euthanizing spiders it's it's something i really wait and wait and wait for and again probably it's if it been a, if it's a dog or a cat it, there's a big thing like you you never want your animals to suffer and spiders it's kind of hard because sometimes they look like they're suffering then they're fine and anyway i was you know a day or two away from probably placing her in my freezer and letting her expire and now she molts so it, mind blown mind totally blown again i've, I've said many times through my tom's big spider stuff this is always going to be a learning process for me what i love about working with animals and tarantulas is the fact that you think you figure them out and then something comes along that really gets you thinking. And this is something that really gets me thinking. So one of the things I'm hoping with this podcast, some people will chime in with their experiences. I've talked to people who have picked up the adults, you know, several years ago and had no issues whatsoever. I've talked to people that they fast for the winter time, which is normal. And then I've talked to several people that have experienced what I have now with multiple specimens. The fact that they tend to fast for great periods of time, long periods of time, not eating. And then they do this weird molt thing where all of a sudden they molt, even though they shouldn't have the energy or shouldn't be anywhere near a pre-molt situation. Not sure why that is. The odd part about, you know, and again, we can attribute it to the old age factor. And I think that definitely needs to be considered in this. The part that throws me off is there are many other species. Let's go to the old hobby staple, the G. rosea, G. porteri these guys have been pulled out of the wire, were pulled out of the wild for decades and brought into the hobby and people would get big, you know, full grown females that would go on to live for years and years and years and years after that. I know, but you know, just using my, my queen as an example, we picked her up. She was about four inches, four and a half inches when I got her back in the nineties. So she was already most likely, I mean, I believe the guy said flat out, she was a wild caught specimen, but already quite a ways through her life cycle She's molted several times since then. We're now going on, I've had her, I think, 23, 24 years. She's probably, I'm guessing, with the growth rate of these guys. I mean, I have a sling right now that I picked up that was about a third of an inch. I've had her for six years, and she's about an inch, maybe an inch, just shy of an inch and a quarter now. So these guys are grow glacially slow. But think about how old this spider must be. And I've talked to many, many other people. You don't hear many instances, and I haven't heard many instances of people picking up you know, back in the day, uh, G. rosea, and then within a year, it's dead of old age. You just don't hear of it. So why would that be the case with the chalensis? I don't know. It's it's weird. So throwing this out here only because I found it something interesting and something that fascinated me. Hopefully, I didn't just bore people for it looks like we're on 19 minutes talking about this mysterious molt. But I'm, I'm hoping what's coming out is just how 
truly in awe I am of this situation, how truly confused I am by it because I've never seen anything like it. It just doesn't happen. And I've, I've kept hundreds of tarantulas now. I've grown ones up from slings to adults. I've gotten them in all different age groups. You know, obviously sometimes you get one that might be older and it dies and you, you never quite know, but this has just been weird and it's been something with this species. So moving ahead, I do caution people and this is going to be my warning and to folks who are trying to get a hold of these guys. Try to avoid the adults. I know the slings are tiny. It's going to take you a long, 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 I'm not even going to lie, a long, 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 long time to get a sling to the point where you've got one of those cute little cuddly adults. I, I'm going to throw that right out there. I get it. It's. I'm kicking myself in the butt now because I had uh, an opportunity to pick up some slings several years back and I had... The females, and I'm like, you know what? I don't need any right now. Let somebody else have them, and I don't really feel like growing them up. It's going to take forever anyway. Now I'm kicking myself because at least I would have had like little, you know, probably juveniles on my hand. But they do take a long time to grow, so I get why people, especially those just getting into the hobby, you when you want a tarantula, you want a tarantula. You want a big, giant, hairy spider, and you don't want to look at this little thing that looks like something you'd find in the corner of your shower. It just doesn't work that way. So I do get that. I do get the. I won't even call it impatience because it's, I think it's a very normal thing to. You you want that animal to look like the pictures you saw. You want that animal that you see people handling or see it kind of calmly climbing out of its enclosure to explore. I get it. However, the ones that are out there now, unless you can get them from somebody, and this would be my caveat, if you can find somebody that you know that has raised it from a sling and has an older specimen, absolutely. That's an amazing buy. I just spoke to somebody who was desperately trying to get a hold of a larger specimen, you know, a, a juvenile to adult. And I said, listen, you're probably not going to find them anymore because they're not importing them. And that's a good thing. You don't want wild caught specimens. This is something we need to steer away from in the hobby. It's, it's not necessary anymore. We need to get breeding going and not rely on pulling them out of their natural habitats. We get, we got to let those, you know, pray that the countries that have these animals start doing things to protect them. Like Chile is closing its borders. Hopefully they're doing something to protect the area. I'm always skeptical, but we'll see. But we have to stop getting the wild caught. So I tried to get them away from it. I said, but if you look online, sometimes you get people that are selling a collection that have one that they've raised. That would be your best bet. And the guy did find one, which was awesome. It was somebody that raised, picked it up as a sling several years back. Now it was an adult. Perfect. So that's a great situation. If you can find one of those and they're going to be very difficult to find, then by all means, pick it up. That's that's a great find and worth, you know, well, it's worth a lot. I don't want to get involved in actually determining prices for these guys. It's not my thing. But be prepared to pay a decent amount of money for it. So, yeah, by, if you can find somebody that raised them, they can say, hey, I've had this one from day one. Raise it. Perfect. But let's steer away from the wild-caught ones because there does seem to be an issue with some of them. And not eating, again, it's it's a bad practice. Right off the bat, we shouldn't do it because we should stop pulling these out of the wild. But when you're tempted, and I get the temptation, like, oh, I'll just get this one. You know, what? Am, nobody else is going to pick it up. Be prepared for some of these issues. These weird, this, this is a species that will fast to a point where they seem to die. And it, whether it be because it's old age, whether it be because they don't adjust, you know, the internal, their what is it? There's, there's an actual term for it, and hopefully somebody will fill it in, but it's like their seasonal clock that tells them what time of the year. All right, this is winter. We wouldn't have food, so I'm going to close up shop and stop eating. Now it's summer. I got to eat. That seems to get you know screwed up, become wonky when they move up here. So it's something to think about that you don't want that extra stress with this spider. And again, mine is not an isolated incident. When I look back over the years, I remember when mine were eating just fine. People were going, yeah, but my only issue with these guys is they don't eat very much, and they don't eat well. And that seems to be across the board. I have heard the slings do much better. They're, you know, the wild, uh, I mean, the captive bred slings 
seem to not have this issue. I, they do take a long time to grow. I have heard people say that the little, they're so teeny tiny that they can't tell if they eat or not, that sometimes they feel like they're not eating, but maybe they are eating. There's, there's a set of challenges that obviously comes with owning one of these tarantulas and keeping one of these tarantulas. So anybody looking at them as far as a beginner species, recently I revised my beginner species list and I took the Chilensis H. Chilensis was my number one for a long time. And I took it off the, the number one spot, gave it to the albopelosum. And part of the issue was availability. When doing a beginner's list, it's important you have spiders that people can readily you know, get a hold of. And unfortunately, people were looking for older specimens. They didn't want the little teeny tiny slings. I would warn somebody new to the hobby against the teeny tiny slings. So that meant these guys were very difficult to come by. So that was one issue. So right there, you can rule out for most people getting an adult, which means we now have to look at slings. The slings were also difficult to come by. There was quite a period there where you couldn't find the slings anywhere. And they tend to give people fits. They're tiny. They take a long time to grow. They can fast. They will burrow and not come out sometimes or appear not to come out. And that can stress out a new keeper. So Unfortunately, we have this weird situation here where as an adult, these guys are probably, it would be a healthy adult would be my top pick for a beginner species. If we could somehow get a bunch of captive bred adults that we could sell into the hobby for beginners, you couldn't get a better spider in my opinion. They're just adorable. You know, they're, they're inquisitive, they're gentle, but you can't just narrow it down to that. We we can't just look at adults. We have to also look at the sling aspect of it, the adults you can't really find, and in which case it kind of really knocks it down several spots on a list of a beginner species. So one of the things I was looking at is my beginner's list. I kind of started this thing by talking about these guys and, and really promoting them, and I do, you know, I, I don't go back on it. They can make great beginners, but unfortunately times have changed. We don't have, thankfully, we don't have the wild-caught adults coming into the hobby anymore. That's, that's absolutely a good thing. We're not going to bemoan that. That's for the best. But then what we're left with is the rare release of captive-bred slings, which, again, you don't see all that much. And they can be difficult for a new beginner. So now we have this kind of issue where technically it could be a great spider, but considering what's available, not so much. So something people need to be aware of, I have to figure out how to reconcile this with all the materials I've put out there. You know, I have my beginner species list that both the website version and the YouTube version get a lot of traffic. I mean, probably the two most popular things I've ever produced, which is great. But the bad side of that is, and anybody that's followed my stuff for years knows that I always revisit topics and if I get new information, I change what I said. It's not that what I thought I said before was wrong. That's the information we had for that time. That was what was working for people. But sometimes I find things that are better or I start to develop a different perspective as time goes on. And I always like to report that. So it makes it difficult when I've got something out there that's getting so many hits a day. Like I think the website one goes anywhere from 100 to 200 hits a day sometimes. And it's going to be difficult. I can go on and I can kind of amend that. And that's probably what I will do is do a new version of it or put notes and say, hey, things have changed. Because you don't want to mess too much with the the old format and look like, hey, the guy's second guessing himself. But it does. people need to be aware that this is an issue. And then as for the video, that's going to be a tougher one. Because unfortunately with YouTube, once you load something up, that's it. It's there forever. So either I pull the video and try a new one or figure out some way I could shoot a newer revised version and hopefully connect that to the end of the video and put it into the description of the old video and be like, Hey guys, this is the old version. There's some good information here, but please check out some of my updates and hopefully that will start to work. But sometimes people with YouTube and I do the same thing. You pull up a video and you see the thing, Hey, check this one out. You're like, no, I just, I want to watch this one. I don't want to bounce over here. So 
We'll see. But anyway, the podcast at least gives me a good uh, format to kind of revisit this. I know where the numbers of people listening to the podcast are going up weekly, which is great. And it's developing its own little audience. So this will be a good spot too to reach people. But and, and, and the podcast sometimes is like my therapist. I'm sitting here talking to a microphone. I'm running things out through my head while I talk to all of you. So this is something that I'm kind of going through right now, trying to figure out how do you go back and revise some of this stuff? Because I do think we need to get some of this. I need to get some of this information out about homeoma chilens is the fact that you know there needs to be a little bit more deliberation before somebody picks picks one up i know they're adorable i just posted a video not that long ago where mine as i was doing the video just crawled right out in my hand just sat in the palm of my hand calm as can be i don't even handle it the little guy kind of tricked me into it so i and then a lot of people that unfortunately and this is one of the problems i find and what i struggle with sometimes is that because i do have the platform now with all of the social media things I do, well, the podcast, the website, and the and the videos that people see what I do and they want to emulate it. So they see this and they're like, I immediately want one of these. And now at the same time, I'm having trouble with another one at home. So that needs to be said. You have to show the good. You have to show, show the bad. So I think part of this is just to put out there that there is a difficult side to this species. They look great. They're adorable. They're, they're amazing spiders. And I do think everybody should try Even people that have kept some of the, I, I talked to a guy not that long ago who was like, yeah, I never looked these things because I don't like dwarfs. I, I like old world species. He goes, I pick one up. My God, I love this thing. He goes, it's just the cutest little spider I've ever had. So everybody can seem to get something out of keeping the chilensis. But I do think it's important that they know that there are some issues with them. So I am hoping that some folks that keep these chime in. And, and again, good and bad. What's What have you found with yours? Are yours eating fine? Do you have what you believe was probably a wild-caught specimen, an older specimen? How has it been doing for you? Any of these weird patterns? Again, I've had this happen with three now. Molt, don't eat or barely eat at all. Molt again. Just very bizarre. This new one, I will keep people updated on. I'm probably going to shoot a video on it. I don't like doing spider death videos. I have to admit that. I, it's not that I'm trying to hide anything. It's just they make me sad, and I don't like sitting there editing the videos. It's happened a couple times where, like, I did one with my Theraphosa stermi female that died. That one gutted me. Like, I was, she went through the molt. She looked great. Everything was going fine. And then dead a week later, and I was just crushed. And I put together this whole video to kind of talk about it and everything. And I never bothered putting it up because it just made me sad. I didn't want to answer questions about it. I I just kind of wanted to move on for the whole incident. And now I'm thinking with this one, it, it'll be a, I think it'll be an amazing story if she pulls out of it. And I'm hoping she does. But in the back of my mind, I don't know how realistic that is. This thing hasn't eaten in two years and her stomach looks so shriveled. So I'm really worried, but we'll see. So I, I may shoot the video and see where it goes. And just if she dies, I don't know if I'll put it up or maybe I'll put it up just as a warning. This is something to think about. Again, I do think with this one, in my gut, my instincts are telling me this is just an old female. The part that's throwing me is the fact that uh, she has gone so long without eating. I thought she was literally in a death curl. I found her in a death curl twice. The first time she drank, she seemed to pull out of it a little bit. Second time, she was like over the water bowl, apparently trying to drink again, but not looking good. And that's usually a sign when they're sick or have something wrong with them. They tend to hover over the water bowl. She's, I do give these guys, although they're known for being from arid places, I always give them a choice of having a moist corner and a water disc. So anyway, twice in the death curl, was in a death curl yesterday morning or the other morning when I went to work, like in the corner, I thought for sure she was dead. She was barely moving. That's when I started thinking that it's probably time to put her down and then molts. It's just blowing my mind. So 
Anyway, just thought this would be an interesting thing. It wasn't what I originally planned on doing for my podcast this morning, but it was one of the more interesting things I've had happen in the hobby lately and something I really wanted to share. And and, and again, part of the selfish, selfishly, part of the reason I like doing the podcast and the videos is some of the feedback I get and some of the comments I get back from people is priceless to me as a keeper because I get to, it's when you're keeping and I've, I've talked about this many times, you're kind of in your own little world. You're, you're looking at things in your own little microcosm of a home where you've got your collection and you, you see something happen and you automatically assume, all right, she's doing this because of this. And it's only because you have a very small sample to uh, scientifically look at, for lack of a better term. You have a small sample to examine. It's not like you have a hundred of every species to go, oh, this is only happening with this one specimen. The rest of them are doing fine. You tend to think about stuff, but you don't have enough information to really draw any conclusions. When with this platform, I'm able to go out, put this stuff out there and hear from other people that either back up what I'm thinking or maybe give me another way to think about it. So, for example, I always bring up the one about the P. muticus and the fact that, you know, for years you told them put them in as deep substrate as you can get them. Well, come to find out the babies will bury themselves in the deep substrate. They'll close it off. They'll wait for prey to come to them. They won't come up and eat and they will starve to death. And this has happened quite a bit with a lot of different people. I know there's always people come out, well, I didn't have a problem with it. That's fantastic. Other people did. They need to be aware of it. I just had somebody, just had somebody email me about it. They put them in the 32 ounce deli cups. They dug all the way to the bottom. They haven't been eating at all. They didn't look particularly fat. And I said, you know what? I would pull them out, put them in shallow or substrate to what happened. So that's something that I was glad I put out there, even though I thought when I started talking about that I was going to be putting mine in more shallow containers, I was going to get a ton of hate from the old school people who don't ever want to change anything. I've raised them and they're fine. Awesome. But it's not happening with mine. Instead, what I got was a bunch of people going, I saw the exact same thing, was afraid to speak about it. So I like putting this stuff out there because again, selfishly, I get information back. I get to hear what other people are experiencing, which allows me to add to the data that I already have and either go, yes, this is absolutely something, you know, what I'm thinking is true is true, or maybe it causes me to look at it a different way. So I do hope people chime in. And even if you just chime in with, hey, mine's great. I got a sling. It's doing awesome. I'd love to hear about it because they're an awesome species. Maybe share some of the tips that you have with them. Maybe share some of the, and that's one thing that really comes out of the comment sections of some of these especially the YouTube videos, not so much the on the podcast because I do them on Facebook. And again, as people have probably realized, I have limited time on Facebook now, so I don't get to address a lot of the stuff as much as I would like to. But I do like when the community goes back and forth and talks about things. And it does serve as a resource because I do know people do go back through these comments and read them. But to have a bunch of keepers, like this is how I kept my sling. This is how long it took to get to this uh, this size, because I know a lot of people, the big fear when they pick up the slings is when am I actually gonna have a spider I can see and, and be proud of. So please feel free to comment and, and talk to each other and, and post stuff up. And I will probably go ahead. Actually thinking about it now, it'd probably be good to do a video of it and try to get people to comment on the video about theirs, because I would like to get more information on the species because I've seen this now with three different ones. I, either it's something terrible I'm doing here that's causing this, which that I'll need to, if, if that's the case, I need to know and adjust. I don't think it is because I've tried many different things over the course of the years. And like my female now is in the same container she's been in two years. She seems to like it. She's done some burrowing. She digs around. She's, you know, active, hides sometimes in her hide. Mostly she's out and about. But I want to hear what people are, how they're keeping them, how long they're taking to grow, or any strange behaviors. I haven't heard this so much with the slings, but I have heard other people with the adults that have the same issue. I want to hear about it. It'll be helping me out. So 
anyway, this one was originally only supposed to be about 10 or 15 minutes talking about this particular incident, but it kind of grew into something more. And I kind of like it when they, you know, I have a notebook with notes over the different topics I was going to cover today, but we'll just cover more of those next time. I, I kind of like when these things kind of unfold organically, it, although nobody's obviously able to talk back with me. It's kind of like I'm having a conversation with myself and anticipating what people would say, which makes them a little more comfortable and flow a little bit better. So if you guys hate these type of podcasts, please let me know. But I tend these are the ones I tend to have more fun with because it's not sticking to a bulleted list. It's more, hey, this is exactly what I'm feeling. This is what I'm wondering. Help me out. Or what do you guys think? Or let's get some feedback. So I think that'll about do it for this one. Again, I usually try to, originally, I just want to throw this out there. I've had some people like, hey, could we make these podcasts longer? I kind of let the topic dictate how long they're going to be. Sometimes I have topics that run over that will be longer. Sometimes, like for this one, it's right around the half hour mark. Originally, when I planned on doing this, I want to throw that out there. I was going to do them bi-weekly. They were going to be a half hour. And more often than not, they're around 40 to 45 minutes, and I'm doing them weekly. So I am giving you more content. I know a lot of people, somebody was telling me specifically, like their their truck ride was like 50 minutes, and they listen to them in the morning while they're driving the, the tr- truck to work or going someplace and they're like, Hey, if you get these right around 50 minutes, it'd be perfect. So some of them will be around 50 minutes, but unfortunately not all of them will be that point. And right now I could go into my bullet points, but if then, if these run over, then I end up with a very, very long podcast and then I start having to pay for extra time. So we're not quite there yet. So anyway, that'll about do it for this one. Again, if you haven't checked out any of my videos, feel I feel like I'm shamelessly promoting here, but I'm just throwing it out there for people that like might hear the podcast for the first time and go, oh, he does videos. I like to see the videos because I think there's a you know an audience for both. And I've had people move over from the podcast now to the videos. Obviously, I get people move over from the videos like – Sorry, I don't have time to watch these, but I can listen to them on the way to work. Perfect. That's why I'm doing them. So just mentioning, I do the videos. I have the website with a lot of archived information on you know, older stuff. I haven't unfortunately been on it very much lately, but summer is coming up and I do have some big plans for it. So we'll see how that goes. And then obviously you're listening to the podcast is the only other thing I do. And I will be throwing this up on Facebook as long as I remember. I think I forgot to post one up a couple weeks ago. I Sorry for that one, but I do want this one up on Facebook so people can respond to it. So that will do it for this one. Again, to all the mothers out there, you do an amazing job. Obviously, the children love you. We love you as husbands, as sons. So happy Mother's Day. Hope you guys are treated well by your kids, your husbands, and have a great one. And that's it for me. I'm signing off because I've got to go feed some spiders.